I think that's it. I think I did it. Okay. Uh, this parasha, the parasha of Chaye Sora, includes the story of the Shidduch that was made for Yitzchak Avinu. The story is told at great length and is certainly worthy of a lot of attention. But we're only going to look at one Pasuk. The Pasuk that precedes the story. Right? That Pasuk is Avraham Zakein Baba Yabim Vashem Berech Avraham Bakom. That's the Pasuk. Now it's always, you know, treacherous to find a Pasuk where all the words are understood. Those usually turn out to be the most difficult Pasukim of all. So this Pasuk says two things. The first it says is that Avram was a Zakein, which has some meaning, but I guess it, it's hard to precisely determine what that is. Babayami. Again, I don't know what Babayamin means. Maybe it means he looked it. Like he was old and he looked old. Instead of being old and looking young. I mean, I don't... Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea what the difference between Zakain and Babayamin means. Ba is the verb that is used often for like sunset. You know, you know the end is coming. What? Yeah, could be. Could be. I mean, like uh, if he said, and it's supposed to have said, Abraham Zakain, you would imagine that his end was not coming. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't, you know, doesn't make itself clear to me. The second half of the Pasuk is the part of the Pasuk that we are especially going to be interested in, and that is Rashem Be'rachat Abraham Bakor. Now, Hashem Be'rachat Abraham, okay, so that could mean almost anything. Like, you know, he had uh, good credit cards, or he had lots of money, lots of slaves, lots of... I mean, what's the bracha? Unclear. And certainly, Hashem Be'rachat Abraham Bakol, like, it sounds good. But what exactly is this person trying to tell us? So after all, we know that Avram Avinu found favor in God's eyes and that bracha was part of the deal and he was supposed to get, uh, get bracha. So it's hard to know what this pasuk is. But let's look first at the Rashbam. Let's look at the Rashbam, the second, uh, the second uh, uh, text on the, on the sheet. Baba Yambi. Here the Rashbam says, which I guess means something like this. Everybody wants their children to get married while they're still alive. So since he was Baba Yamin, he decided to do something about that. He decided to get his son married off. In other words, Baba Yamin, according to the Rashbam, is the cause that this whole story took place, right? The story of our Eliezer and, and Lavan and Rivka, right? That whole story is because Baba Yabim, that's what the Rashbam says. The second thing that the Rashbam says is Hashem Beirach et Abraham Bakol. Lodia ha'amur lefanein. Shelo shalach avadav lakach bisho isha mimishpachto bafumat chose nashim beret kenan. It wasn't that there were no women around that would be willing to marry Yitzchak. <coughs> that, that, he, that was not the reason that he sent his children. He sent Eliezer off to his family. But he was not willing to let his son take a wife who was not from his family. And since Eliezer said it, 
that Abu Ravina was well healed, you know, a powerful personality. So the Pasuk introduces that idea, introduces that idea. Okay. So what does uh, what does it come what comes out according to the uh, according to the um, to the Ashbab? I would say something like this. It's the reason that the marriage of Yitzchak suddenly became urgent. Verifying somehow a priori verification of what Eliezer is going to say later on when he gets to to make the shidduch. He's going to say, look, uh, you know, this is a good shidduch because we have a lot of money. Something like that. So that the first part of the Pasuk is the rationale. And the second part of the Pasuk is, is sort of a verification of what, of, what, uh, of what Eliezer is going to say later on. Now you know that the Rashbam, as I told you many times, is the grandson of Rashi. And you know that the Rashbam wrote his Perush because he felt... This is what he says himself. I'm sort of quoting the Rashbam. He felt that, the, that Rashi was kind of derelict in Pshat. That not everything that Rashi said could be considered Pshat. So in that case, let's see what Rashi said. What did Rashi say? That's true, Bakol. It's 20 and 30, right? 20 and 30 and 2. And then it's 50 and 2. So, Bakol, Olebe Gimatria Ben. What do you think about that? That's, we're going to be more shocked, right? We're going to be more like straightforward and simple. And therefore, it says, Bachasha, Yalo Ben, Ayatzarichla, Sio Isha. Hashem Berachad Avram Makol, according to Rashi, is a code for Hashem Berachad Avraham Be Ben. It is though the word Ben is written in the Pasuk. Of course, what Rashi doesn't explain to us is why the Torah would want to write this Pasuk in a way that we would have to go creeping around and looking for Gematriot to understand what the Pasuk is talking about. I mean, Gematriot is a very nice thing. But it's nice if it verifies an idea that we have without the gematria. But in this case, who would have envisioned this for Peyush? And since Rashi is committed to Pshat, Rashi himself said many times that he's committed to Pshat. So we can understand the Rashbam. The Rashbam took uh, one look at Rashi. He said, in meet good. You know, he said, what kind of Pshat is that? So he said, Hashem Merachad Avraham Akol has some other meaning. It means that, you know, to tell us that what, what, uh, what Eliezer is going to say uh, later on is correct. That's why Hashem Merachad Avraham Akol. So you see <coughs> that the Rashbam, Koret Higar Al Rashi. I mean, inadvertently, of course, he's not going to say anything about Rashi. He doesn't. That's not his way. Not like the Ramban talking about uh, the Ibn Ezra, or the Ramban talking about, sometimes talking about Rashi, right? He doesn't say things like that. But we see that there's a problem in the Pasuk. And the problem in the Pasuk is, what is Bakol? If it's something tangible, why didn't the Torah just tell us what this tangible thing is? And if it's a person, why didn't the Torah tell us what that person is? There's something here that is... Uh, um, Annoying, you know, like, you know, before you learn the Bifarshim, probably could you go by this without any difficulty. So we have to look at the Ramban. In the Ramban, if you look at line four, line four, the Ramban says, Here's the Ramban. <coughs> well, let's start from line one. Let's start from one. He says, "Ba'osher nechasim v'kavod orech yamim u'banim." He says, "That's a simple pshat. Makol means makol. Whatever you think is good to have, and whatever will make you wealthy, that's what it is." Result called chendat ha'adam, and that's what 
Chedigata Adam. That's what you yearn for. That's what every person yearns for. And he says, this interpretation is the Ibnezer. Yizkira Katu Zelomar, Kiwi Yashalem Bakot. But this is what to tell us that Avram Avinu was complete, or had this idea of Shlemut, lo chased, zulati, sheye ebanim livno, sheyin chalu ma'alato u'kfodo. So l'chein hitavah, l'azeh. So the Ramban quotes a, a simple interpretation, which is the Ibn Ezra's interpretation on this pasuk. That Hashem Berachad Avram Bakol means whatever people want. You have to say what Bakol is. Normal. Normal. Right? Normal. What do people want? They want money. They want stuff. They want credit cards. They want children. They want grandchildren. That's what people want. All the people that we know. They all want that. That. And everybody has a little knach that he puts into it. You know, I want, I want it this way or that way. That's what the Ibn Ezra says. And Ibn Ezra says, Pshat. He says, there's no reason for the Torah to tell us what Bakol is. Because everybody knows what Bakol is. Bakol is, imagine Abba Vino. It's me, but a hundred times more. Maybe a thousand times more. I don't know how many times more. But that's what, that's what the Pasuk is saying. And the Ramban quotes that Pasuk. Quotes that Perusha of Ibn Ezra. Indicating that on the level of pshat, a level of pshat, I mean, he agrees. He agrees with the Ibn Ezra. However, however, of course, if that's the pshat, then <coughs> what's so important about that? Well, why, why do, I mean, it's fine, okay, Abraham Avinu, we knew that he had, he had a lot of stuff. Every time he went to Chutzlaretz, right, he went to Egypt, they went to uh, the land of the Plishtim, he came back with more stuff. And more stuff. So we know that our Rabbi had stuff. What's the importance of it? So the Ramban, I think, realizes the problem. He says, when it comes to Pshat, the Ibn Ezra is right. Like, that's what it seems that the Pasuk says. However, if you look at line 4, Nifla means he likes it. Right? He's going to tell you something that he likes. What is that? Amru. There's a Gemara in Baba Basra. Now, Tezayin, I'm with that. You can look. Hashem Merachad Avram Bakol. Listen to this. You ready? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir. And these are like the, the, the major hitters of the world of the Tanoim. Right? Rabbi Meir, Omer. Shaloh Aitalo Bat. But a man said, she didn't have a daughter. Allah, <coughs> Abraham. I'm sorry, Shiloh Italo Bat. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Bat Italo. Bat Italo. You imagine the Tanoim and this discussion. They're sitting in the Beit HaMidrash. They say, what does it mean that he had a, that he had a call? And one says, one says a call means that he had a daughter. The other one says, Akol means he didn't have a daughter. And then the third opinion that's registered in the Gemara is Acherim Omri. Acherim is Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Uda, and Acherim. Three opinions. Acherim Omri, Batai Talo, Uvakol Shima. Uvakol Shima. Now, what do you think? This would be in the category of some kind of fantastic character that we would ignore. I mean, how could you, how could they have an argument about this? So look how's the Ramban. Ramban is starting to explain. Darash Rabbi Meir, Shaloi Talo Batla Abraham. Vizu Ro Bracha. The fact that he didn't have a daughter was a blessing to him. Keloi Ayuholasi'ah. Because if he had a daughter, he'd have to marry her off to one of the Canaanites, right? The cursed Canaanites. He would send the daughter that he had back to his family. So they all were idolaters. I mean, those days, the daughter stayed with the family of the husband. They wouldn't come back. 
So if he would have had a daughter, this would have been a curse for Avram Avinu. Because how could he marry her off? And that's the opinion of Rabbi uh, Meir. <coughs> now I'm up to that's line 7 in the middle the wife always stays with, with the husband and those people from Arab and Arab they're not going to move and besides which certainly even if they were somehow going to avoid idolatry but they would certainly end up living in Chutzlaretz and that would be a denial of the, of the directive to Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha Right? Go and leave your place and go to the place which I will show you. Vavki Avod, Avodah And even if Avodah Zorah is idolatry, is a possibility, but better in Eretz Yisrael than any place else. Rabbi Yehuda Barash, the second opinion. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion. But he did have a daughter. Barta is a bat. That even though there were difficulties involved, Avmavin was complete in some way. Whatever you could have, he had. So he had a daughter. He has a problem. The daughter presents a problem. Okay. So Amravinu had to figure out how to deal, how to deal with that. Via bracha and that's what the word, the blessing, bracha means. Everything. So it's sort of an explanation of the Ibn Ezra that he had everything, and even though a daughter, that's Rabbi Yehuda. As Rabbi Huda, even though daughters are problematic in the time of Avraham nevertheless he had Hakol. The third opinion. So that the word Bakol, I guess the way the Ramban is taking it has two meanings. One is the regular meaning, which is he had everything. And the other is the specialized meaning, which is, according to the Achirim, that the daughter that he had, her name was Bakol. Because when he had this daughter, that he could say, I, now I've got everything. Something like that. So there's a Tanaitic statement. Rabbi Meir said he didn't have a, she, that Avri didn't have a daughter. Rabbi Huda says he did have a, have a daughter. Achirim say, he had a daughter, and her name was <coughs> Bakol. So this is, seems like an extension of the words of the Ibn Ezra. The Ibn Ezra said, that what does Bakol mean? You have everything anybody wants. You want, uh, what do you want? You want children, you want money, you want uh, grandchildren. He got all of that. He got all of that. But of course... Uh, the Ramban is not um, so simple-minded. He's not quoting this Gemara in order to validate the Ibn Ezra. He would never do that. That's not his style. What he wants to say is, what he's going to teach us, is that sometimes Pshat, the simple meaning demands further elucidation. Because the pshat is so simple and so obvious that it, it bothers the Ramban to imagine that that's what the Torah wanted to say. Listen. We're on line 14. What? I skipped the level? Eleven? Oh, okay, uh, we can read it. I wanted to skip it. Okay. What is Bermet? Bermet means Kabbalah. 
Whatever the Ramban says, Be'emet, he doesn't mean surely or verily. He means Kabbalistically. Now what is Kabbalah? What is Kabbalah? The, the definition that I would always want to, to use when we, when we learn Chumash. Kabbalah is a language. And it's a language which says sometimes that word A is synonymous with word B, and you might not expect that to happen. That's what Kabbalah is. Like, every time you read, every time you read a text, you know that a word has a variety of meanings. So you have to decide by the context. You can't always, sometimes you look up a word in the dictionary, and it just confuses you because the word has a lot of meanings, but they don't seem to be in place. The same thing, that's what Kabbalah is. Kabbalah is, you look at the word, and you say, oh, it has also a different meaning than we would expect. That's what emet is. Emet is another kind of interpretation. It has nothing to do with meditation or with, uh, you know, sitting in the lotus position and hovering on the, on the air or making the world shake up. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the language of the Kabbalah. And since the Ramban himself was a Kabbalist, which means that he accepted these language interchanges, right? he accepted that as being correct, he interprets sometimes psukim in that way. He especially interprets psukim in that way that seem to be, that seem to be in shot, not very interesting. Like, you know, if, if, if it's a passage that doesn't seem to say anything, doesn't seem to lead me anywhere, doesn't get me into any kind of deeper thoughts about things, that's the pasuk that you'll find the Ramban using this alternate language for. Alternate language, Kabbalah. Right, so what does the Ramban say? Ramban says, here, let's look at again in line 11. Bamet, Kabbalah. She'en ha'kavana l'achirim, it's not true that the Achirim disagree with Rabbi Yehuda. Then Rabbi Yehuda said he had a daughter. And the Achirim said her name was Bakol. He says, that's not what they're talking about. That's not the interest of Achirim, because who cares? I added that myself. And he doesn't like the cloud, that kind of thinking. What do you mean? When God said, I will bless you, I will give you bracha, he made you have a daughter? No big deal. A lot of people have daughters. <laughs> Some people have many daughters. So he says, he said, this is ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about Tanaim, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, and Achirim. How could they just be fighting about whether the Torah does tell you the name of the daughter or doesn't tell you the name of the daughter? In any case, this daughter disappeared. Right? If there was a daughter, and if she had a name, she didn't do anything. It's a cameo appearance in the Torah, right? There's no daughter. So why should they be fighting about whether she had a name and what her name was? That's what the Ramban says. Now we're up to 14. So that's another way of saying Kabbalah. Amok. A very deep thought. Right? A deep thought for the Ramban is a thought that doesn't occur to you right away. You have to think on it. That's called deep. Right? There's the there's the, like the first thing, and then there's what comes later on, the deeper thing. In Yana Mokma Udvidashuba says Sod me Sodota Torah. What? I don't know anything about meditation. Sod so it is, a, again, a symbol, uh, uh, um, it, so equals emet, equals kabbalah, right? All those words are interchangeable, even though they might have more specific meanings, but here they're all interchangeable. 
Ra'amru. Now he's going to tell you what the Achayim really said. Ra'amru. Kibakol. Tirmoz alinyan kadol. That this word, bakol, is talking about a great matter. What's a great matter? Oh, it's found in Kabbalistic literature. Found in Kabbalistic literature. Now, believe it or not, I am not going to be able to explain this to you. But we're going to learn it anyway. Maybe you'll explain it to me. But it doesn't matter. You will get the idea. Mida is, uh, you know, the way the way the Kabbalists understood that we connect to our Kodesh Baruch was through a series of diminished uh, uh, powers of God called Svirot. Called Svirot. They said there were ten Svirot. Now, this in itself, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know who, who originated it. But it's not so unreasonable to think that when we approach God, we may not be able to kind of approach God as God is, so to speak. We all remember that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to see the face of God. And God told him, you can't. There's just a limit to the power that man has to understand, to observe. Let's say we would agree with what I'm saying. I don't know if there's a limit. In the stomach, there's a limit. Right? Different people are on different rungs of some ladder. But even the people on the highest rung may not be able, may not be able to really grasp the nature of God. So the Kabbalists saw it as a series of manifestations of God. Some of them more easily apparent to us, and some of them hidden. And they divided these manifestations into ten. The first three, on the top, are called Keser and Chachma and Bina. And those three are very difficult for us to approach. Even though, you know, they have meaning. In the Kabbalistic system, Bina equals Tshuva, for example. It's like if you do Tshuva, Tshuva as a spiritual act, not as paying, uh, not, not as paying off a debt in the Makolet. That's also kind of Tshuva. We're talking about Tshuva, coming close to God, like if you did it, if you transgressed, the only way a person could, could transgress is by pushing himself away from God. <laughs> and Shuva means, I want to come closer to God. So that's Bina. Now the lower seven uh, uh, spherot seem to be more interesting. Right? They're more like words that we can appreciate. Now these seven spherot have also synonyms. Right? Like Tiferet is Torah. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's all like words and how they interact with each other. But we are talking about God. So it's easier for us to talk about God as a chesed doer, God as a miracle maker, God as a Torah giver, than it is to talk about God. And therefore, the system... The system enables me to talk about God by talking about what God did or what God does or all those things that I can imitate on my own in God. Those things, that kind of language is very... It's helpful. It's helpful for many people to develop the religious personality within them. If they can somehow approach God or think about God or attribute to God... Things that go on all the time. So he says, Bakol, line 15, Tirmozel in Yangado, Vuhushi Yeshna Kodesh Bochum Mida Tikareko. Mida, what's a Mida? An attribute. An attribute. What's an attribute? Go right there. That, that the way God appears in the world at different times can be called a name. 
we call it chesed, we call it gvura, we call it tiferet, we call it netzach. You, you know these words? In the old days, I always say when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I would go to shul with my father, Zichron Lebrocha. So at the end of Svirata Omer, there's a, a prayer that begins with the words, Ribono Shalom. And in that prayer, in that prayer, since uh, Svirata Omer is seven times seven, right, seven days in the week, seven weeks, so if you take the seven, the seven lower Svirot, Chesed, Gurat, Tiferet, Netzachot, Yisod, Malchus, so you could attribute, uh, you could call the first day Chesed, Shiva Chesed. The second day is called Gevur Shabbat right? And on and on and on through the 49 days. And in those days, when I was that, you know, a kid, um, <laughs> everybody said that prayer. So even though we didn't have a clue what we were talking about, we all learned the Spirot. That was easier. My father in Shul would always check to make sure that, uh, that I got it right. And so, uh, um, what we did, because not everybody had fathers telling them what to do, I guess, we've eliminated that prayer. We don't say it. Like in, in Yeshivot, we don't say it, because there was um, a certain amount of opposition to Kabbalistic stuff. And that opposition is very strong in Lithuanian Yeshivot. You go to a Lithuanian Shivan, in the old days, you wouldn't find any Kabbalistic books. Right? You wouldn't find novels either, but you wouldn't find any Kabbalistic, any Kabbalistic books. Today, everything is a little more mushed up and more liberal. So you might, in a yeshiva today, find a Kabbalistic book that somebody left there by accident. But the librarian would certainly not buy a Kabbalistic book. On the other hand, today there are a lot of Kabbalistic yeshivot, and you can kind of go to them. And there the opposite is true. You know, it's sometimes hard to find the Gemara in those, uh, those Kabbalistic yeshivot. So here is the Ramban, and he's explaining a Chazal. He's explaining the, so he says, he says, So even though I told you that there are seven lowest spherot, which I learned from Svirata Omer, I never heard of Kol. Never heard there's a Midah named Kol. But the Ramban said, oh yeah, there's a Midah named Kol. Mipneshu Yisod HaKol. Now you know that there's a Midah called Yisod. Yisod Malchut. Mipneshu Yisod HaKol. Uva Neemar, Anochi Yasev Oseh Kol. That seem to refer to the word kol as an object. Not a word that means everything, but a word that means a thing called kol. And he says these psukim are. And he even has a pshat in this pasukim kohelet. Now, listen. He hamida hashminit miyudgimol midot. So there's another way of counting. It's not just ten, but there's a thirteen. There's a thirteen midah counting. <coughs> and it, then he goes on, he says, midah cheretikereibah na'etzelet mimena upao manhiget hakol v'hu there's another midah, there's another attribute that comes out of Malchut, which is the last of the midot. But you got there's a simpler thing, right? There's the there's Nase Adam, he doesn't quote this, but, but you know this, that Nase Adam Itzamerichid Mutainu, that man was created, at least according to Chazal, quoted by Rashi, as a corporate undertaking. That right? God and the Hamalia Shamala, right, uh, together, agreed that man should be created. <laughs> he should be created, Allah. 
the Sefer uh, okay just one second line 20 last word Therefore, in this Gemara, Baba Baba Basra, the Achirim say Kiena Bracha Hazot, Shritarech Vakol, Romezet Al Shaholid, Bat Misara Ishto, Oshelo Holid. This is the explanation. Achirim say, Achirim say that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda are wrong. Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda are arguing about the reality. Did he have a daughter? Rabbi Meir says no. Did he have a daughter? Rabbi Yehuda says yes. Achirim omrim. No. Ke'ed ha-bracha azot sh'nitbarech b'kol ramezet al sholim bat misarai shtam. In line 22 in the middle. Oshalom omrim. This pasuk has nothing to do with that. I will hear a mezet. Inyan gadol. Shebeirech oto b'midah shehi b'toch midat hakol velakein tikarei gam hi kol. What's called kol? The midah. The attribute. And just like there seems to be a kind of an interactivity between God, who has Midot, and man, who can achieve Midot, so that <coughs> God has the Midot of Chesed. Man can also achieve Chesed. God has the Midot of Gvura, so man can achieve Gvura. So what he says, what the Pesach says, Hashem according to the Ramban, we're not talking about, we're not talking about what Abraham you know, had stuff in the world, in Olam Hazeh, but what we're saying is that Avraham Avinu not only was able to achieve the well-known midot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but he was able even to become part of that midah called kol, which we don't usually hear about. So there you have the Ramban. The Ramban certainly has a creative interpretation of the Pasuk. Avraham Zakein Baba Yamim, Hashem Berachat Avraham Bako. That Bracha doesn't only mean stuff, but Bracha means quality of life. And when you talk about the quality of life of Avraham Avinu, that means the way he understood things, the way he was able to deal with things. And so, his, he, the greatest Bracha that Avraham Avinu could ever receive <coughs> would be to expand his knowledge, understanding, and relationship with HaKadosh Baruch. And even though Avraham Avinu is called, that's what the Rambam says also, I mean, it's a posseg, but the Rambam says that Avraham Avinu was beloved of God, Ohavi. And the Ramban would say that Ohavi, Ohavi, to love somebody, means to give him something or her, something unexpected, something that goes beyond whatever you ought to, would imagine. That's what Ohavi is. Where is this given according to the Ramban? In this Pasuk. Hashem Berachet Arabakol. Unexpected. Un, un, unknown. Something that goes beyond the achievement of Avram Avinu himself. And this is a, a wonderful pshat in the Gemara. It just leaves us with the question of what Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda were talking about. Unless you bring it all together and say that the Achirim, as he says also, somehow were explaining the Machloket of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. So we see, you see if you just <coughs> that the Chachamim, that the Rishonim, had this sense of Pshat. Like what Pshat could be? And even though the explanation of the Ramban seems to be quite fantastic and comes from some place that we never heard about, that we don't really know about, nevertheless, there's no doubt in my mind that the Ramban thought it was Pshat. Because what Pshat is, 
is making something of it. Right? When you say the plain meaning or the simple meaning, and you say, well, don't, you know, that's just what it says. So that was unacceptable to certain kinds of Torah scholars. So well, how could the person be just, just tell you what, what, what they did that day? I mean, we'd expect the Torah to say that Abba Vinu went to Amakolet and bought a sack of milk. You would not expect that, in spite of the fact that he probably did do that from time to time. You know, when all the slaves were off on some vacation. So Abba had to go himself and get the milk. But okay, that's not like an idea that I'm so interested in. So the Ramban says, the Ramban says that this pasuk, this pasuk implies some special understanding that Avraham had. And that special understanding, unlike the Rashbam, is interpreted l'maaseh. In other words, Avraham Avinu knew, he knew because he had this bracha of bakol, that if he would send Eliezer to a far-off place, he would come back with the chosen wife for Yitzchak. He knew that. And that's why this pasuk is inserted here as an introduction to the story. Because Avraham Avinu did, you know, he took a big chance, sell the seven Eliezer to find the bride for his wife, for his daughter, for his son. <laughs> They're mixing me up, those Tanaim. Okay? So now I want to look at the, at the Svatamet, the next page. The Svatamet, a little bit. The Svatamet says this. Svatamet quotes the Medrash. The Medrash, which I happen to have here, right in front of me, the Medrash quotes a Pasuk in Mishlei. The Pasuk said, Evan Maskil Yishimsho Beben Mevish. Evan, a slave, Maskil, an intelligent one, one who is able to do his work properly. Yimsho Beben Mevish. At the end, he will have dominion over the son who embarrasses us. Right? You have two people in the household. You have a son who doesn't listen, who doesn't do the right thing, and you have an Ebed who is, uh, who is very good, very classy, very a noble fellow. Ebed maskil yimshol beven meivish, the second part of the pasuk, uvitochachim yachlot nachala. That amongst, that he, the Ebed, will inherit with the brothers. Because an Evid Maskil becomes like a son. And the, the unruly sons lose their position as sons. So listen to what the Medrash says. Evid Maskil, Ze Eliezer. Ze Eliezer. The example of an Evid Maskil is Eliezer. Now let's look at the Spatamet. The Medrash Evid Maskil Vechulei, right? At the end of the first line, he says, I'm going to quote a Zohar. There, a person can serve God as a servant, an Eved, who is called Eved Hashem, as a... Uh, Moshe Rabbein, Yefeh. And after him, who's the next one? Yefeh. Good, very good. So Moshe Rabbeinu and Yeshua, which is sometimes something of a problem. But if Moshe Rabbeinu was unique, that he was called Eved Hashem, uh, why was Yeshua also called? The beginning of Yeshua, the book of Yeshua, Yeshua is called Eved Hashem. So the serving God is an Eved, and the serving God is a Ben. That's what the Zohar says. Shevadai b'nei Yisrael banim l'ashem elokechem is possible. Certainly, the, the people of Israel are like sons. V'zeu ha-neshama sheba'adam. And that's the, that's the essence of us, the soul of the thing. Avo b'vo'al olam hazeh l'itlabesh toch ha-guf u'gash b'yut ha-wadeh. 
when the soul comes into this world and kind of finds its place in a body and therefore is all of a sudden overwhelmed by the material side of things, who bechinat evet? So that soul, which started out as a den, turns into an evet. Ubechina zo hurak lachnia ulevatel atzmo. And and what he has to do, well, it was serving God, this person who is now, whose soul is in the in the body, uh, which is gashmi, which is material. He has to somehow he has to sort of like say he's not anything. He's not important. He has no real significance compared to the soul that's within him. Says everything that was created even if it's an inanimate object, has some kind of internal, internal life to it, because that's what creation is. The only thing a person can do in this world is so this is an idea. This is Aitzah means to deny what it seems you are in favor of what you really are. Right? So that, that, uh, that this was a, a tension that existed in the last uh, 3,000 years since Matan Torah probably still exists today. I just read somebody wrote a book on spirituality. I mean, Jewish spirituality, I mean, you like, you know, it's all about meditation. You know, I said before, I don't know anything about meditation, but the book is about meditation. And meditation means, to him, the one who wrote the book, somebody named Seinfeld. No, not that Seinfeld. A different Seinfeld. Seinfeld <laughs> wrote this book in which he says that meditation is a proof <laughs> somehow that the inner in you is real. And so you want to be in that inner and not in the outer. Right? So meditation helps you. So this is a, this is a problem. Everybody is, certain, everybody is certain that it's possible to be spiritual. Not everybody is so clear about how to do it. So meditation is something that people talk about as being helpful. Be helpful in doing that. I don't know anything about that. The reason that I showed you this Sfat Emet, because the Sfat Emet talks about the two words, Ben and Evet, and says, and says that the Ben in me, the Son of God in me, is my soul. And the Evet in me <coughs> is my body. Why? Because I've got to become dominant over that body. I can't let the demands of the body, I can't let the demands of the body determine, determine the soul, like what the soul is going to be involved in. I can't let the body have dominion over the soul. So I have to turn the body into an evet, in order that the ben in me should be able to flourish and, uh, and uh, act uh, independently of the, of the body. So you see, the evet in our story, the evet in our story is Eliezer. Right? And Eliezer is sworn by Avram Avinu to do whatever it is that he is set out to do. In other words, Eliezer is the example of the person <coughs> who gives up his independence in favor of his being an evet. And that 
Evid, that Evid, a person who, who gives up that physical independence, is the person worthy of finding somebody, Rivka in this case, who has a big soul. Yitzchak, Hashem Berachet Avraham Bakol. Bakol means he had a son. It means he had a daughter. It means he had a great soul. Achirim Umrim, that he had a great soul. So you see that the story about, according to the Svatimet, that the story about finding a shidduch for Yitzchak is a simple story. A person, only Eliezer, could recognize the person with the big soul. Only Yitzchak achieved this status of being a butt of a ben. And the Acherim Omim, Acherim Omim, that this achievement, that this achievement is, <coughs> is the achievement of Yitzchak in, uh, uh, is determined by the fact that Avraham and Yitzchak together, since the Akedah, were able to understand their relationship to God in a better way than anybody could possibly imagine. And that's the Ohavai and Bakov. Okay, have a good Shabbat. Have to go and find the plane. No, I won't be here next week. I'll be here the week after. Is there a minion? No? Is there a minion? Uh, I'm leaving.